What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Joe Kilgallen podcast, the podcast where I, comedian Joe Kilgallen, like to have a good old time with you, just talk a little shit, rant and rave about what's going on in the world and all that kind of good stuff. As always, I like to start off with every every podcast, a little bit of gratitude. So thank you to all the Patreon subscribers, everyone who subscribes to the YouTube channel, TikTok, Instagram, wherever you follow my content. I very, very, very much appreciate you. Hope you're having yourselves a wonderful week. I'm excited for today's episode because I've got a guest on for the first time in a while. Uh, someone who I always love being on a show with, always love chit-chatting with, a very hilarious comedian. I know you're going to love her. So without further ado, let's bring on the podcast, Jamie Schreiner-Biddle. What's up, Jamie? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Now, I noticed on your name here, it just says Jamie Schreiner, but do you still go by the full name? So basically, I still am married to Tom, and like Biddle is in my Instagram and my facebook name i mainly did that because of my in-laws i feel like i'm like oh what if they listen but whatever um they were very upset to learn that i was going to keep my maiden name Uh, but old school yeah very old school it's like you know irish english um like old school family so they were like what she's not taking biddle but i kept shriner just because jamie shriner sounds like what you're gonna get in my comedy and like i knew i wanted to be a professional comedian and i was like Jamie Biddle is a very different entertainer than what I'm bringing to the table. So, yeah, I never legally changed my last name. I think also because I hate paperwork and immigrating a spouse from the UK was so much paperwork. I was like, I'm not doing any more paperwork just to have a name added to my name. You know what I mean? Like you have to change your bank account. You have to, I mean, you have to ask your wife. I don't know. You didn't have to do that, but I did not know. My wife did change it, but um, it was one of those things where, uh, I mean, I'm happy she did, but I also wouldn't have cared one way or another. I don't know why people yeah. still get so angry about that. Um, I guess it makes sense if you're having kids, what, what would the kid's last name be and all that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But you're right, though. In terms of your comedy, Jamie Schreiner sounds like what you deliver on stage. And it's interesting you bring that up because I had a Patreon bonus episode a couple weeks ago where I talked about uh, my favorite band names. And to me, a great band name sounds like what you get out of that band. I agree. Like, right? Like, I just saw Guns N' Roses at Wrigley Field at the end of August. So that's what inspired this. Because yeah. they sound like Guns N' Roses. It's such a cool yes. sounding name. And for those of you listening who don't know the history, Slash was in a band called LA Guns. And Axl Rose was in a band called Hollywood Roses. And they combined to become Guns N' Roses. But there were two separate bands that combined. So it's an even cooler yeah. story when you read it that way. Yeah. But you're right. Jamie Schreiner. That's you on stage. Biddle, yes. cool name, but it yeah. doesn't uh, it doesn't read like Jamie Schreiner does on stage. So what part of uh, the UK is your husband from? So he grew up in the Forest of Dean. So that's, it's like where England borders Wales. Cool. Um, so it's like very rural, very countryside. Um, I think that like your closest neighbor is going to be pretty far from you as you get out further. I think that they lived in more of like a subdivision though. So he did have like neighbors either side, neighbor across the street. I think like one of his childhood best friends, it was because like his mom and her mom were pregnant with them both at the same time. Oh, cool. So it's very I'm much that to... kind of, everyone knows everyone town is always going to, yeah. So. Yeah. Those exist uh, in every culture too. I feel like. I swear. Yeah. How did you meet him? If you don't mind me asking, I'm sorry. I know this sure, podcast, yeah, we're going to no. talk about some funny stuff, but no, I'm always no, curious. No, no. Man, People from it different countries start. It is a little funny. We met, so we met working at a summer camp in Minnesota. Um, it was the summer before my senior year of college, and he had just finished college. And 
it's very common for like both Australian, New Zealand, not both, but New Zealand, European, UK citizens will do camp jobs in America because it gives them like free travel visas or like it's more like, you know, the camp will pay for the travel visa. You just have to work at the camp during the summer. So he was the riflery director and I was the drama director. And it was one of those camps where there's like a boys camp on one side of the lake and a girls camp on the other side of the lake. And like the staff all trains together, but you work at your prospective camp that you're at. So it was like, we met during the training and then we ended up getting put on opposite time off. So we like didn't get to go on dates or anything, but we were like writing each other these letters back and forth because they did like camp mail. You could like send letters. And then, um, yeah, I remember it was like the second session and they put me on different time off for my best friend. And I went into the office. I said, if you don't switch me to the other time off so I can be with my best friend, I'm going to quit. Like I'm at the end of my rope. And so they switched me, but then it ended up being the same time off as, as Tom. So then she jokes, she's like, well, I'm not even going to see you now because you're on the same time off as this dude you like. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of how we met. And then we just kind of dated long distance for, I think like three or four years. And then ultimately decided we were like, you know, we've never lived together, but we love each other very much. Like in the context of these like two to three week trips that we get to spend together, let's get married and just, which as I say it out loud, I'm like, that's an insane thing to do. Like if anybody listens to your podcast, that's in their early twenties, like I, I wouldn't say don't do it because I did it and I'm, you know, happy with my decision. I stand by my decision, but it's not going to be an easy choice. Like you're going to find out very quickly living with someone is very different than like, oh, we just see each other every six to eight months. It's a very different situation. Then it's like, now I live with you. We're in each other's space 24 seven. Um, and I feel bad because it's like, I am kind of like the frat boy man of the relationship. Like I'm very messy and like chaotic. Oh wait, you're the loud messy American <laughs> and he's the proper English gentleman. Is that what's happening? Oh, yeah, wow. that's what's happening. So, yeah, I think I remember like my feelings were very hurt at the time. But I remember when he first moved here, he was like, Jamie, you lived like a student. And I was like, <laughs> uh, I was like 25 at the time. He's like, you still live like you're in college. This is disgusting. So like my my uh, exposure to like having a bed frame or like having she- an actual mattress like that was that was all 100 percent Tom. Like, thank you for calling me out on my shit. Cause yeah, I, I was, when I first moved to Chicago before he moved here, I had like an air mattress on the floor situation. Cause I was just like, it's easy. It's camping indoors. That is so polite though. Even when he's insulting you, he was wildly polite. You live like a you student. Like instead a of student. being like, yeah. you're a pig. <laughs> well, Jamie, you got a big album shit. coming no, out. I'm, kidding. I... I'm sorry. What'd you say? Yeah. I didn't hear you. What'd you say? I think you for can you say one more time? I was this is so bad. I was asking what you said because I, I was talking over you. I'm sorry. The last thing you said. No, it's all good. Oh, I just said like um he could have been like your disgusting trash nightmare human. But yeah. he's like, you live like a student, you know. He said it. I mean, his we insults, all pick I think a page. the longer he's oh, I didn't mean to talk over here. I was just gonna say the longer he's been in America, the more biting the insults have become, I think. Yeah, you had to toughen him up a little bit. Depends what part of England, though. I feel like if you're from, like, Liverpool or Manchester, you're going to be a little bit more like a Chicagoan would be like, you know yes. what I mean, or New Yorker. I feel like I feel like London, depending on what part of London, though, because London's massive. You got that proper, posh-type thing, and then you got the ones that all sound like a Guy Ritchie movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a Jason Staten and being like, 
Is that right, you fucking asshole? Like that kind of shit, you know? I don't do a very good English accent. I'm going to be in Scotland next week, though. Oh, I'm so excited. Where are you going to go in Scotland? Uh, Edinburgh. Okay, so I I did my master's in Glasgow, and I did the fringe while I was doing my master's. So I... Scotland holds a very dear place in my heart. Scottish people, I think Scotland is the closest you will get to Chicago in the UK. Yeah, I can see that. Very warm, inviting, but will fucking put you in your place if they have to. I heard it's they're very hard to understand, though. This is true. Yeah, like I'll I'll be able to pick up some words, but I'll be like, uh, I was with comedian Sean Patton last night. He just got back from Scotland, and he was like, "Oh, dude, it's great. You're gonna have a good time, but they they really have a it's thick." That accent's thick. So it's, Sean Patton's name is like ringing in my ears because I actually last night I'm in New Orleans right now. I'm touring and somebody he's from. was like, "You gotta." They're like, "You gotta meet Sean Patton." I was like, "I'm not against meeting Sean Patton. It just hasn't happened yet." So that's very funny that this is now the second time in I think 24 hours I've heard his name mentioned. Well, you're destined. You're, so. you're gonna meet him soon. Be on the lookout. Yeah, I will be. I'll be like. It's, I'm looking. It's instead of like the bat signal. I'm looking for. I don't know. What are the telltale signs that Sean Patton has entered an establishment as his friend? Um, someone comes in very loud, reeking of whiskey or beer. Um, I just describe most people who walk into a bar. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what Sean's like. Sean's a great guy, though. Really funny comedian. Um, smart dude. I feel like one of those guys you could talk to about anything. Um, Love that. I could kiss Sean Patton's ass for another five minutes. I feel like. But Jamie, yes. we, let me ask you this. So Jamie, do you have a dog? I do have a dog. Yes. I have a dog and two cats. Okay. Well, here's what my dog did today. She's getting a little older. She's about 10 years old now. I tried to get her to go outside before I took my kids to school. Yeah. She wouldn't budge. So I'm like, all right, maybe you don't got to go. Fine. I come home from dropping my kids off of school. I see one big pile of piss on the floor. And then I go by the back door, another big pile of piss. And I, <coughs> excuse me. Got a sort of throat going on. Um, I smoked a cigar last night and now my throat is sore. Go figure people. So my dog love her to death, but again, she's getting older. She pees on the floor and right away in my head, I'm like, fuck this part of the floor. I was worried it would leak down into the basement. Guess what happens? I come down here to my office, my podcast studio, and there's pee. I could see on the, like the top of the ceiling. You know what I mean? Like it's a drop ceiling. So now my office, I sprayed a bunch of stuff, but now my office still smells like piss. So, um, long story short, I'm going to put my dog down, um, is what I'm telling you and the, every, all my listeners, um, she's had a good run. She's been around for a decade, but, uh, I can't have her peeing through levels of my home. Um, yeah, I'm of course kidding. I'm not going to put her down, but I'm, I'm very fed up with this right now. Yeah. Sucks. No, it's very just hard. Getting those when old they get age to that, things. I, I know. Say, it's yeah, depressing. When they get to that age, it's just sad. Cause it's, it's like, they love them. it's not what they, it makes me think of Brandon Kiefer's joke about his dog, but. My dog is not as old as your dog and he doesn't, I'm really lucky. I've never, I've never had him have an accident inside, but he is like a little asshole in terms of like, he will eat anything he can get his hands on. Like there's a time that we, uh, cause he's like, he's like Basset Hound Beagle Collie mix. So we, we left a box of, we'd just gotten like to go food and we let, we like left it up on the arm of the couch chair and Tom's like, I'm just going to go to the bathroom really quick, wash my hands. I'm in the other room, like grabbing something like glass water or something. We come back in there. The box is on the floor open and he's hiding. Like he hadn't eaten it yet, but he was like 
just that dumb doesn't have the foresight of like they're gonna come right back like they literally yeah. left the room for a moment and I, the only time it's gotten him in trouble is he tried to eat the absorbent pad at the bottom of a box of chicken oh really yeah he, I well mean, probably because it's most... all the chicken grease on it and stuff so mm-hmm. and it was flavor. the most expensive vet bill i've ever paid because it it'll block you but I love and appreciate vets. I respect them, but it does suck that if I broke my arm and went to the hospital and I didn't have health insurance, they'd still fix the arm. They'd just bill me where I feel like vets, they're like money up front, money up front. We need the money now, money now, money now. And it's like, can we do payment plans? Can we, we have pet insurance, thankfully, but it still sucks having to come out and then go through the process of pet insurance, and all this other shit. Mm-hmm. It's a nightmare. I love my dog, of course, everyone. And I know when she is gone, hopefully a long, long time from now, I'll be sad that I, I'll, I'll miss her peeing on the floor, but I need yeah. to vent about this because ugh, she eats everything now. She drools constantly. She's just a lot of things. She's still great. Still love her to death. She's my cheeky puppy, but God damn it. I can't have her peeing through to my office. That's just yeah. too much. Yeah. Sitting in pee stench is, I mean, I'm, I'm in New Orleans right now. So everything everywhere. Great food town, by the like way. Pee and vomit. It's just. <laughs> You throw a stone, it's landing in vomit. I will say the whole time I've been here, it's horrific. I'm Jamie, like, do you drink? Vomiting of, hmm? Do you drink? Do I drink? I do yeah. drink, yes. Awesome. And I have thrown up. And I if have you pissed didn't, my pants. I would. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, yeah, you pissed your pants? That's great. I was going to tell yeah. a New Orleans drinking story. I was down in New Orleans like shit almost 10 years ago now, maybe a little longer. Yeah. Did a show down there. It was a lot of fun. And you know, when you're in the French Quarter, they have these like poles or little posts that have horse heads on them. I guess people just tie their horse to them. And they're maybe three and a half feet tall, maybe four feet tall, not very tall, Uh you know. Um, Yeah, probably like three and a half feet tall. I was really drunk, probably at 2 a.m. or coming from one bar to the next or whatever. And I told the people I was with, watch me like karate kick over this thing. I'll do like a roundhouse kick over the post. And they're like, no, you can't do that. It's too high up. And I go, I got this. And I don't remember what happened next, but I remember yeah. in the morning, my knee was swollen and it hurt so bad. And yes. my wife told me that what happened was I tried to kick over the pole, but instead I need the middle of it. I just, need Oh my God, Joe. And I, and I laid around, laid on the ground, rolling around in pain. And everyone's like, get off the ground. It's really gross and disgusting. Look, New Orleans is an amazing town. My favorite food city in America but holy shit, it's kind of dirty. It's a dirty yeah. town, especially that French Quarter. But it's lovely. It's great. I can't wait to go back down there again. I had mm-hmm. one of the best times ever down there. But yeah, you don't want to roll around in the dirt in that town. Yeah, no. And I, I made the mistake. I wore open toe shoes last night. Um, Gross. And those <laughs> open toe shoes, yeah, they it it was a huge mistake. Because um, I, I did. I did step in a pile of vomit, but I also like it's kind of the circle of life because not in New Orleans, but when I lived in Glasgow, there was a night that I did simultaneously throw up and pee my pants. And then like it, it, that story is horrific. Actually. It's very, very, um, let's hear it. Staying with me. I had people staying in my apartment that were Tom's friend of friends that I forgot were staying in the apartment. So I came in just like, after having like been sick and peed and like plopped in the bed with them, not knowing they were in the in, like just like yeah, just had stripped. So you off vomited the pants, and though, peed your pants at the same time. Well, yeah, I like it was like 
the the force of the vomit i think like pushed my bladder so it was just like a double a double whammy situation um because they really do not drink like anywhere else in scotland like people in scotland it's a level of alcoholism i cannot compete with and i tried to and i failed and it led to that happening just the simultaneous like and yeah i like i got in the elevator of my apartment building puked in the elevator got out of the elevator walked up the stairs puked on the stairs this is all like things i realized the next day because i didn't realize it as it was happening but then yeah i like got in my apartment pulled off my pants because like i said i peed my pants and then went to flop in bed but there are two people who are like distant mutual friends of like tom sleeping in the bed so i just like you know Dropped trout, fully nude from the waist down, Winnie the Pooh style, flopped in the middle of the bed with them. And yeah, I uh, didn't remember that they had been staying there until I woke up and was like, oh, I'm in my bed. And I was like, why am I in my bed? Harriet and her boyfriend are here. And I go out and they're both sharing this tiny, tiny couch that I had. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so, so sorry. And that's when you can't live down. Like that stays with you forever. That, yeah. that, that, that's how I will be remembered by those two people for the rest of my life. Oh yeah. doesn't matter what you accomplish afterwards. Does not matter. That's that you're that person forever to them. Yeah. yeah. I've had some gross st- stories. It's like when you said pee and vomit at the same time, I wasn't sure the situation. Um, I had a situation once where I was pooping and throwing up at the same time. <laughs> I went to poop. And then I had to puke and I was drunk. And so then I didn't, I couldn't reach the garbage can. And then I was like, I, I looked down for a second being like, can I move my dick over just enough to puke through my legs into the toilet that I'm currently shitting in? And I thought to myself, that's, that's too much. And I wouldn't have worked anyway. I would have puked all over my dick and balls. And so then I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm just gonna have to puke on the floor over here. And then mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I couldn't remember whose apartment I was at, but I'm like, who keeps the garbage can this far from the toilet? That's just poor planning on their end. Yeah. You know what I mean, you got to consider that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I taught them a lesson to keep the garbage can close to the toilet. Um, I didn't really clean up after myself. I dropped a towel and I moved on. What else can yeah. you do at that point? Kind of rude on I my mean, end, I suppose. There's not a lot you can do. And I think the thing is, it's like, I, I feel like, yeah, it's those moments that like really show your character like how you how you get your problem solving in those moments like what am i gonna do to make this work i was young at the time you know i was in my early 20s if uh it happened now as a gentleman in my late 30s a gentleman i use now that i'm in my late 30s never described myself as a gentleman before but now that i'm in my late 30s i'm also a father so as a father i would have cleaned up after myself pretty well um i say that but jonah jerkins who does the other podcast with me by the way listeners let's get done we'll be back soon we took a, a good we quit basically because we weren't getting along and then we took a hiatus now we're coming back strong but uh i christened his house as i like to say because he just moved into his place and i threw up all over it um i didn't help clean up there i would like to have but they did it before i could help because you got to give some leeway you, yeah, you know, someone throws up, you give them about six hours to recuperate before they can start help cleaning. I was in no shape to help cleaning at that point. But we can't just talk yeah. about puke the whole time, Jamie. I mean, I feel yes. like we could. I feel like we, we could. could, but we've got more, other we things we got to get to. You have an album coming out this week. Yes. Uh, it's called Corn Baby. Tell people where they could get it, tell people where they should listen to it, tell people why it's called Corn Baby. 
Yes. Um, so it's called corn baby because there's not a, there's not a drop of puke throughout the entire album. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I, it's called corn baby. I'll start with that question. It's called corn baby because I grew up in Indiana and a lot of the stories and jokes are very much about me growing up in Indiana and just like my family and, and, and kind of like how that shaped me as a person and why it made me such like a loud, obnoxious broad. Um, I think I also wanted to have corn baby because I do, like anybody who's not familiar with my work and listening, I am a musical comedian. And so basically what I do is I, tr- I think of an idea of what I want the song to be about. And I try to make the genre um, either the complete opposite of the style, like what the song's saying or like lend itself to making it funnier. And so it's like, I'll rap about cows. Or I'll rap about like being the kind of woman that people with mommy issues are into. And it's, it's corny. Like I've embraced the fact that like <laughs> what I do is a little bit corny, but that's, kind of the beauty of it and the fun of it and I definitely wanted to just like be very open and honest about that like I'm I'm a very goofy theater kid person I'm not the cool guy I'm corny so I'm I'm corn baby that's what I'm bringing to the table um it is coming out October 6th the album was produced by Comedy Dynamics which is very exciting and very cool because um you know pretty major distribution network but you can pretty much get it anywhere that you can stream. If you were to go follow me on Instagram and go to my link tree, the link is available there. Um, it's also going to be posted like on my other social medias, but it's available like Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, anywhere that you want to pre-save it, you can or listen to it after the fact. Uh, I do think Apple Music tends to be what people prefer because they can get a little bit more pay that way. But for me at this point, I, I'm more interested in, you know, like, the reach. I want people to listen to it. So it's like, if you're somebody, you're like, I don't have the money to buy the album. It matters more to me that you listen to it than buy it. Yeah. That's what most comedians yeah. give a shit about. And and probably musicians too, depending on how far along they are in their career. But I know most yeah. comedians at the end of the day are like, I just want people to listen to it. Um, if I could go back to the way you described yourself as being corny and stuff. Um, I think what makes you so awesome on stage and what makes it such a fun experience is because you do lean into the silliness. You do lean into the fact you don't pretend to be not corny. You don't pretend to be like someone who's not just a big theater kid that's just goofing around and, and, you know, showing off that uh, personality and all that kind of stuff. That's why I enjoy about watching you because I've seen you, we've done, you know, laugh factory on a Friday night, which is 350 people, most of which aren't theater kid background. You know what I mean? And they love yeah. you the same as like a crowd where you're like, oh yeah, this is Jamie's crowd, right? This, like, this yeah. is, you know what I mean? Cause we, we all have that as comedians where you look out and you're like, all right, these are my people. And then other times where it's like, oh, these people are far from me, but that's why I love laugh factory because you know, it's packed with 300 people on the weekends, each show, and you're getting yeah. a truly diverse audience, not mm-hmm. just diverse in appearance, but diverse in like what people are into, what their likes and dislikes are. And that's like the challenge. And I feel like that's um, why you're probably doing so well on the road right now, because I know comedians, we both do, that are like really good, really strong. But when they get out on the road, they have a trouble disconnecting because they they can't just like they can't lean into what they are. They have a little bit yeah. fight it a little bit. And then because of that, it comes off as less authentic. I've noticed. Yeah. So I just wanted to give you that compliment because I feel like you're very authentic. Thank up you. there. You're oh, welcome. No, and I like. I appreciate that so much. And I think it's something that like, as much as the pandemic was a terrible time that like isolated us all and people, you know, people lost their lives and businesses closed and it was a very sad time. I think that all that time in the house 
kind of left me with this sort of take no prisoners attitude of like, as soon as I'm able to get back on stage again, I am not going to give a rat's ass. If I'm impressing the comedians in the back, I'm just going to be myself because what a lot of my close friends were telling me is they were like, Jamie, you are so funny in like a conversation in a hangout, but you get on stage and you try to like be cool. And it's, it's so sad to see as your friend. Cause that's not you just be yourself. And you hear that from a friend and you're like, um, but it's like, I really do think every comedian needs to internalize that. Like what makes you unique? That's what's going to get people on board with you. That's going to, that's what's going to make people want to follow you to the ends of the earth and listen mm-hmm. to everything you have to say. Cause anybody can do set up punchline, set up punchline. And, and we want to see it. We want to see real jokes, but also what makes you lovable and unique. So that's my thing that worked for me. Very good advice. Uh, do you have any inspirations from musical comedy? Were there other musical comedians that you were into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's. I'd say, like, I have a few different people I talk about. I do like to mention, mention Randy Feltface when I can. I saw him at the Edinburgh Fringe before I even started doing comedy. I was still a theater kid, like, doing theater school. And he was doing Randy Writes a Novel, which is one of his, you know, hours of stand-up. And it's, you see this purple puppet pop out and do this like beautifully crafted, they're set up punchline jokes, their stories, it has a, a plot and a through line. And I remember that being a huge moment for me because I was like, oh, stand up comedy can be so many things. Like it doesn't have to just be this one thing. And then I feel like I, when I moved to Chicago, I very quickly learned like not everybody feels that way, but I, I personally feel that way and I've seen it really work. Um, but obviously, not obviously, but Bo Burnham, I think people, definitely compare me to him. And I am always grateful for that comparison because to me, he has just been such an influence. And I think that the work he does is so funny, but also has a point. And that's something that is important to me as an artist. Um, I really love Rachel Bloom. I loved Gianna Marble videos when I was in middle school and high school. Oh yeah. Uh, as far as like act like not actual but like more standard stand-up comedians. I really am a huge fan of James Akister, Russell Howard. Like I love all the English and British people. Miranda. Um always have loved Leslie Jones. So yeah, that's just a little cool. bit of Yeah, it's it's weird though. Him. Um during during all that, I didn't hear Joe Kilgallen once. So it's kind of weird <sighs> um how that <laughs> I just fuck with you. Uh, Rachel, Bloom, I, I, say, I love your stand up though. I do. I love your stand up because I, I, I know you're kidding, but I did want to quickly yeah. mention one of my favorite jokes of yours to show to people. And I showed this to my husband a lot is your one about um, going down on a woman. That one's so oh, funny yeah. to me because it's so accurate. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun joke to do for a while. I actually dusted it off over the summer. Over the summer, I had a thing where I, I, I tried to do, I wanted to do it for a good full month where I was going to call it my summer remix, where I was going to take old jokes that I haven't done in a long time and try to add like a new tag or do something. And mainly I was doing that because um, I noticed I'm like, I know my writing patterns and I'll have like a few months where I'm just churning out a lot of stuff. Uh, then I'll have a few months where it's just flat and nothing's coming out. So I told yeah. myself, I'm like, when I hit those moments and I recognize that I'm in one of those lulls, I should do something to keep it entertaining for me because a lot of yeah. what makes me or what motivates me to write a lot is to kind of keep it interesting on my side of things. Cause I'll get sick of jokes. I'll have jokes that are doing really well, but as soon as I start getting sick of them, I'm not telling them as well. I got a joke right now that was killing all summer long, but the last two times I told it, granted I was telling it from the host I was hosting and I didn't host in a long time. 
So maybe they're just not good for a host set, but yeah. they didn't do well. And I'm like, fuck, those jokes have been killing all summer. What am I? Because you get bored of a joke, you start to half-ass the delivery. You just don't execute yeah. it the way you did. Absolutely. So yeah, that happens a lot. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm happy for you. The album comes out October 6th. 6th. That is yes. Thursday. It's a Friday, no, actually. Friday? Friday. Yeah, Friday, October 6th. I think you're wrong. I don't think that's a Friday. No, it's a Friday. I'm, fucking... I'm sure. <laughs> I have a thing I like <laughs> to do when people tell me. No, I have a thing I like to do when people tell me a date. I tell them they're wrong immediately just because they go, why are you being so stubborn about a date? But I'm really just fucking around. You ever meet people? There are some people in real life who get that way where you're yes. like, oh, it's next Thursday. And they go, no, next Thursday is this date. And you're like, yeah, I know the fucking date, man. Do you want to take our phones out and see who's right or wrong? And then they get yeah. serious about it. And it just it always it always cracks me up a little bit. It cracks me up too. And when you say, do I know people? Yes. My husband is that person. And I'm always just like, okay. Like, I think with him, I've just gotten the attitude of like, you gotta just laugh. Cause it's like, I know I'm going to be right, but okay. Well, look, <laughs> I had a guy I knew who would do that where I'd run into him and he would be, you know, say I was wearing like a Chicago Cubs shirt. He would say, Oh, I saw the Cubs one. I'm like, yeah, they won eight to three. And he was like, no, it's five to three. And I'm like, no, I mean, maybe it was five to three when you're watching the game last, but they scored a few runs in the eighth inning. They won the game eight to three. And then be like, no, it's yeah. five to three. And I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It was eight to three. And why are you so like, I don't know. I can understand responding with eight to three. Really? I thought it was five to three. Like if he would have responded like that, like eight to yeah. three, I'm, I could have sworn it was five to three. Maybe I, yeah. but he responded with the most confidence I've ever seen anyone respond with and be so insanely wrong. I remember being like, yes. oh, this is what women deal with when they're talking to men about any subject where there's just an insane amount of confidence with not being, you know. Um, yes. You can't see me yeah. at home, listeners, if you're not watching, but I was nodding vigorously because it's so true. I, and that's why I just, I have to, I have to giggle. I have to be a little giggling girly when that happens. Cause it is just, it's more about that person than it is about you or I. It has to be five to three. Even if you Google it and show them it was eight to three for them, it needed to be. Yeah. I just don't. And a lot of times I used to fight against people who would say stuff like, you know, there's that, I feel like every year someone has this tweet that goes viral where it's like, Lord, give me the confidence of your average white man or your average man. Give me that person's confidence. And I'm like, that guy doesn't have confidence. He's just a fucking idiot. That's what it is. Like yeah. everything else in his life is not displaying confidence. They're just dumb. And dumb people mm -hmm. don't know that they should not be so fake confident about something. That's really what it comes down to. Was that person confident Truly. or are they just stubborn and stupid? I'm not really sure. I, I, I need to study sociology a little bit more or psychiatry. Yeah. One of those ones that helps me figure it out. I think that I think it is also like insecurity. I think insecurity, insecurity manifests in a lot of different ways. Like people can be very, very humble and very, very insecure in an obvious way, or they can want to hide it. Cause I think it's especially, I don't want to generalize about men, but it's like men have kind of been conditioned by society to be leaders, be strong. You're not supposed to show emotion. You're not supposed to show doubt. So I think that it's kind of like the littlest dogs bark the loudest. Yeah. The people who've done the, the least work here and like know the least about themselves and who they are and what they feel about things will bark the loudest and they have to always be right. And it's, just they're kind of difficult to be around. So you got to just kind of laugh at them and move on. Totally. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I wish there was a way. That's what we should be teaching more of in school is how to deal with insecurity. I mean, not too young an age, but right around the time kids are in puberty. I think that needs to be said. 
You need to be able to tell people, okay, you're short. No one really cares. It might suck a little bit now. You're going to get poked fun of here or there, but just know the people who are making fun of you have their own shit that they're insecure about too. And by the time you're an adult, honestly, no one really cares, right? There, I know a lot of guys who are five foot six who get mad pussy. You're going to be fine, right? Like just, you want to be able to just explain. And it goes that way with everyone else. You could say it to whatever thing a woman might have that's a bothering thing or whatever anyone has or whatever fears or doubts people have going forward that's the shit we need to get through to people i think to make a much yes. better world because you can tell when i just all i want to throw in is i think it's just as simple as teaching young people because i like i talk about in my if you listen to my album you'll hear me talk about teaching after school and being a nanny i've worked with kids a lot and i think it's the, the huge thing it comes down to is like so you started this episode with gratitude and I love yeah. that. And I appreciate I was that. Like I think, yeah, I think we have to teach young people, um, you know, to practice gratitude daily, like when they wake up and when they go to sleep, it's also um, rather than focusing on the things that are wrong with them, teaching them how to focus on what's right and what's going well. And this is all like social, emotional learning stuff, which I think this generation luckily has in schools. And so hopefully we'll see it with the next generation. But I know when you were in school, and when I was in school, was not the case. We had the dare program and if you have sex, you're going to die. And that's pretty much yeah. the only outside presentations we were getting. Yeah. I wonder what sex ed was hilarious. hilarious. It was so hilarious when we were kids. Um, I luckily had some teachers that were a little bit cooler and they kind of understood. They were like, listen, we are, you're going to have these urges. You're going to act on them, but be smart where we had the people who were like, you know, Chicago public grade school. So we did get like the condom instruction stuff, but the schools were just abstinence only and say no. So say no to drugs, say no to sex. And it cracks me up because anyone who's been around kids or people in general know that that message always fails. The say no thing fails. You know, if I could mention, you know, people who know me and know this podcast, know I'm a diehard Chicago Cubs fan. The Chicago Cubs famously, even if you don't know baseball, you might know this. Wrigley Field has this basket that goes around their outfield wall. This yeah. basket was put in and then the start of the 1970 season because in the outfield, the fans used to do these races where they would run along the top of the wall. In 1969, the Cubs had a pretty good team, so a lot of fun was had out there. They had like 20 people at different points fall to the field. And it's a 12-foot drop, so the emergency room visits. The people had to take the gurney and scoop these fans off the field because they just fell drunkenly onto the field. So that's why they added a basket. Major League Baseball said to the Cubs, why don't you prohibit them from racing? And the Cubs were like, have you met Chicagoans? Have you met drinkers? If we tell them no, they'll just keep doing it. We'll put in a basket, and then they like made the wall peaked. Because it used to be a flat wall, so you could run on it. Yeah. Now you can't run on it. It's like triangle-shaped, you know, so you yeah. can't run on it. But that's how it's like with trying to teach kids anything. If I told my sons, hey, don't touch that cookie, they're going to want the cookie even more. But if I explain mm-hmm. to my kids, hey, here's why you're going to want to eat this instead of the cookie. Yeah, the cookie tastes good, but it's going to make you slow and it's not really going to feed your appetite and there's too much sugar in it, so you might not sleep well tonight. If I do that, then maybe they make the right decision. But if I just say no to the cookie, right? And that what killed me about yeah. grade school is they would say, say no to drugs. This is what happens. And they'd be like, that looks awesome. That's what happens yeah, when you're on drugs. Fun. Cool. Right. Cool. I'm going to go yeah. have some sex and then do some recreational drugs. This, this school's great. Well, and, and I think that the, this, the just say no education is also, and this is like getting a little bit more deep and less funny, but it's a lot of people who are insecure use those things as coping mechanisms. So if you don't teach them how to deal with 
loving themselves, liking themselves, even unless you start with liking yourself. If you're not learning that you're being told, don't do this thing. It creates, you want to go after the thing that you're not supposed to do. And then it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy and a continued cycle of, you know, drug abuse, um, STIs and like young people getting pregnant and it so easily could be avoided if we just did it a different way. And it's and getting pregnant. It's not saying go do it. It's just saying make the better. Yeah. Like I think that it makes me what makes me sad is abstinence. Only people think that if you teach young people that they can, but there's a safe way, they're gonna do it. But it's like by telling them not to, they're way more likely to do it. I, I know, and they're the same people who will blame violence and video games for violence in life. When it's like the, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't always help. But you know, I'm not saying we need more violence in video games or whatever like that. There's, but that's like the smallest fraction of the greater influence yeah. that's around you otherwise, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just, it's just lazy. There's lazy parents out there too. And I know I'm a parent. Some, uh, so sometimes mm-hmm. it's easy to be lazy because you're exhausted and you're just like, you know what? Fine. Go watch that. Go do this. Go do that. Just yeah. give me a few minutes off over here. Totally understand yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, we got a little serious at the end, but I feel like sometimes you need a positive message out there. Damn it. You know, yeah. you mentioned SBIs which must be an Indiana thing because we call them STDs and you mentioned teen pregnancy and that might be the worst STD. I think I'm sure some comedian <laughs> has that joke about how really, that's, that's though. a bad, that's the worst result. It's I more expensive STIs though. Is more of a, I think STIs is a sex positive people thing. I feel like it's like disease sounds so heavy, but like infection, it like it's like, I just have an infection. Like, yeah, no big deal. It'll clear up. <laughs> no, yeah. It'll clear up with this medicine. It's an infection. Um, so yeah, I think it's more that than Indiana. Indiana also calls them STDs. I'm just a slutty person. So I'm like, let's stigmatize the STDs by calling them STIs. That'd be really funny though. If you met someone, you know, and I'm all for positive language. Why not? Right. Uh, whatever makes us feel good life short, but it would be annoying though. If you were like with someone and they were, and you were like, oh, so you have an STD and they were like, STI, please. You'd be like, shut the fuck up. You know the difference. You know what I mean? Like in the moment you were revealing or they were revealing to you, you're like, okay, if we're in casual conversation, you could correct me. I just want to know, do I need to shout a penicillin or not? That's what I'm trying to find out from you. You know, and they're trying to correct you in that moment. You'd be like, please. Yeah. Please so just funny. just be sincere. Yeah. No, that's um that Can is I tell you something really time- funny in regards. I don't know if this is super funny or not, but uh, and we're, we're going to wrap up here. So I want everyone to remember where to get Corn Baby in a second. Well, we already told them. Comedy Name has produced it. Corn Baby is going to be out October 6th. That's Friday, everybody. Everywhere where you could listen. Apple Music seems to be the big source these days. Check it out. Stream it. Listen to it. Uh, buy it. Please buy it, everybody. It's $9.99, I'm sure, right? That's usually what they sell so, for. Yeah. I'd have to look, but I think so. That's... Yes a drink and a half at a bar you save money don't buy, buy one less drink and a half and help jamie shriner out here okay so uh, with language and i do think you know words matter of course we're comedians we respect words yeah. we respect language they matter i did a show recently and um, a comedian from out of town was in that i didn't really know them yeah. um i met them like once in passing but not enough but another comedian friend said hey just give you a heads up they go by they them and i said great appreciate that Then I went up to them and I said, hey, anything you'd like me to say for your intro? Because I was like hosting the show. I'd had to bring them up on stage. And then they said, oh, you can say you've seen her on. And I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, did you just forget your own pronouns? And before I said that, I was like, and then they said, oh, I go by she, they. I could give a fuck either way. I'm like, oh, 
because in my brain oh. i'm like man it, language is getting so tricky that I, I thought i was witnessing someone forget their own pronouns in the moment yeah, yeah. threw me the fuck off i was like are they messing with me right now because then i went back to the original person and i said hey they don't really care and then they're like oh i thought they did and so now i'm like is that something we're gonna be doing to fuck with each other a little bit i hope not because I, i'd get i'm the because i'm the type of guy who i feel like um goes i i told someone i'm like even though i'm, I'm not that old yet in my late 30s still but i've always had like this old man thing even when i was in my 20s i was the type of guy that's like i, I call myself like the old progressive man i try to like keep up with whatever new but inadvertently i'll still say something old school right i'm always yeah. like a year behind wherever the new thing is yes right like I remember one time pr priding myself on saying native over and over again. And someone's like, dude, you say indigenous now. And I was like, when did the fuck did that happen? Like we yeah. need a mailing letter. We need a mailing letter for everybody to know when there's changes. Cause I can't, you take one day off the internet nowadays and you're like nine words behind. Yeah. And I feel like that, I feel like that is true, but I think it's, I, I think the thing is, it's like, I, I feel like there's a, um, I think that there is a disconnect between really 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 um conservative people and really 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 liberal people obviously because we think and feel different things but i think ultimately when it comes down to the language and the words i think as long as you're trying to do the right thing nobody's gonna villainize you for for being a day behind you know that was yeah 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 hope. oh totally um and i know that was the know, best part I, of when i, I said native say, i know a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the best part was I, I had a couple native people say to me, I didn't know we were not supposed to say native anymore. That, and I'm like, okay, cool. Now I don't feel so bad. They're like, yeah, I have no idea what the fuck they were correcting you for. I, I'm I'm 100% Cherokee and we still say native. And I'm like, all right, well, that's good to know. Um, But you're right. Like it's, and I've said this on this podcast before to people out there. There's too many people. It's just a wedge issue. And people just like to get upset and, and they're probably insecure people. That's been the theme of the second half of this podcast. Mind your insecurities. Um. And as long as you're not like, if someone says to you, if you call someone he and they go, Hey, I actually go by they, them. And you come back with fuck you, him like that, then they're going to be mad at you. But if you just yeah. go like, Oh, all right, my bad. It's not a big deal. They don't care. I'll never, yeah. you know, that's what everyone who goes by different pronouns tell me. They're very patient with it. Everyone makes it seem like it's this massive yeah. thing where every day there's stabbings over it. I'm like, no, it's really, it's really not. It's And I feel like it's kind of, and I think I've already said this, but I guess just to like get even more clear on it, like I think the language, yeah, it's good to be keeping with the times, but like I think it's the intent that matters more. Like if I call you they, but then I'm saying they're a cunt, like that, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah, I got your pronouns right, but it's what you're saying. Yeah, what you're saying is what matters is what I think language is important and being up to date with language matters. But the intent behind what you're saying, I think, is what is most important, ultimately, in my personal opinion. When you lived in Scotland, how often did you hear the word cunt? Literally, like probably 10, 15 times a day. Yeah, I love it's saying that a great word, now. though. It's a great I word. never use that word towards women. I use that towards other men usually when I feel like because it's a good word. It really is. Yeah, no, I, I, I honestly feel like we're kind of reclaiming the word cunt as the queer community. Like, we'll be like, oh, it's giving cunt. Like, that's so pussy. And so it's like, I think that if somebody told me like, oh my God, you're so cunt today. Like, I would take it as like, I look amazing and oh, perfect. See, that's positive. Yeah. <laughs> I 
excuse me, I will say something's cuntish, um, like that, you know, but I usually say, I don't, but I mean, I've heard it used positively before and I've heard it used as a term of endearment. Like, you know, me and these cunts are going to go out in the town. Um, that's kind of fun, but yeah. it's, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those words where it cuts though. When you hear it, you perk up. Yeah. So I think that's what the impact of that word is. But I've known Scottish, Irish, English, Welsh, Australian. Yeah. That, that communities have always used that word where Americans yeah. have been weird about it. But I'm like, you know, it's just it depends the intent. Like it, it depends yeah. what is being said behind it. There's only one word that no matter what, it's always going to be wrong. But other words, you know, we can yeah. play with a little bit for the most part. Yes. Um, I feel like every time I say something like that, I'm worried that someone listening is going to be like, he says I could run with this. I'm like, nah, still, still be careful. Yeah. Still be careful, yeah. everyone listening out there. Um, but yeah, I know and as I a think, lyricist yeah. and a joke writer, you probably really do have to think about words a lot. But I still oh, yeah. I think with the STD thing, and this it's so funny to me that this all stemmed from us talking about STD versus STI that we went into this yeah. big conversation about modern society. Um, I think with STI versus STD, uh, it depends what it is. Herpes, that's an STD. Um the a few of the minor ones that's an sti you know what i mean like it depends how you anything that's permanent we're going to call disease anything that's not it's an sti and i make the rules that's how this goes jamie i make the rules and nobody could question <laughs> i'm obviously kidding listeners but yes i i think it's um i think the semantics around words are so fun and and tricky and i think me with like the STI, I feel like it is a prime example of like, I'm definitely the person that like, if I read online, like, oh, we're saying this now, I will quickly apply it just because I am a people pleaser. And I, above all else, just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Like one of my songs on my album is a song about seeing a small penis. And it's not even really like the sentiment of the song is not even that he had a small penis is that he lied about his penis size. But that song I even sometimes now will not do. Because I feel like I, I'm body shaming somebody and I feel kind of sad because I'm like, I've been body shamed a lot in my life. I don't want a man to feel like, you know, deflated and sad leaving the comedy show because I'm singing a ballad about small dicks. But it's like, really, the the inspiration for that song and the sentiment came from a place of this man was texting me, I'm going to break your back. I'm going to destroy you. And then pulls up with the tiny, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, just be yeah. honest. Just be authentic and sincere. I feel like that's the thing I've said a lot on this podcast already, but. Just be yourself. No, it's a good message. Maybe. I've had some yeah. motivational episodes. A lot, actually. No, it's a good message. Don't lie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like he said all that stuff to try to present himself a certain way, and he didn't literally measure up. So that's yes. that's the problem there, you know? Yeah. I had a joke a couple albums ago about small dicks, but that, the point wasn't to shame those dudes. The point was more, it was more of a contrast because even, I've, I thought about it, even if you're doing a joke about small penises, and you're worried about the guys in the room with a small dick. Here's the thing. Nobody else in the room, besides whoever they might be with, if they're dating someone, knows they have a small penis. Where Nobody. if you do like a fat joke, anybody could look around and be like, well, that person's not going to like this joke. You know? So there is, there is, yeah. there are levels to certain things like that. So, because um, mm -hmm. the, the premise of my joke essentially was that, um, like, if everyone did know, like, if men were forced to wear pants, where, like, it perfectly illustrated what we were all rocking, that if you if it was visible to everyone that you had a small penis, you would have to be a much nicer person. You like you couldn't be openly racist if everyone saw you had a little dong. You would, it would just it'd be a, it was more about society. Um, because I talked about how women growing up have uh like we know breast size all the time. 
Like, but we don't know, yeah. you don't know what, a, you know, it's such a surprise for women when they hook up with a guy, they don't know what they're going to get. They might think, oh, you know, he's tall and has big hands, but then it's very disappointing. Or they might think this is going to suck. And then it's like, oh, all right, this is nice. And it goes either way. Some women don't want yes. a big schlong, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, so yeah. some want just like a nice, comfortable, you know, Honda Civic that's just going to get you there and it's reliable and it, it'll last you 200,000 miles. Right. Oh, so. that lesson. I, not lesson. That metaphor. Like that metaphor for it is so funny. Honda Civic. It's as good a one to end on the podcast down as any is that kind of metaphor. Jamie, you're awesome. Tell people your socials where they can follow you. So you can find me at Jamie Schreiner Biddle on TikTok or Instagram. You can also find me Jamie Schreiner on Facebook and YouTube. And yeah, come find me. Listen to the album, please. Please listen to it. It's going to be really I'll, fun. I'll make sure to remind people as well. But if you're listening to this, it's going to be out a couple days after this episode comes out. So get all over it. Okay. Remember everyone, Friday, October 6th, check out Corn Baby. All right, Jamie, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank and you. thank you everyone for listening to the Joe Kilgallen podcast, aka Kilgallen's Pub. And as always, cheers. <laughs>